Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Back again for another Taylor <laughs> Swift themed episode. Oh, she's keeping us fed. She's keeping us busy. Um, she fuels most of our great content on this show. So Does she? Yeah. <laughs> the numbers don't lie, okay? Mm. These are our best episodes. And um, I'm excited to get to break down Red, Taylor's version, with you. Um, such a such a fan such oh a yes art oh, listener, yes. Uh, appreciator well, of the arts because for those of you who have not listened to shelby's 900 different diatribe podcasts <laughs> about taylor swift um through through various legal business endeavors she does not own what is it the masters the to masters her. yeah to her songs for the first bunch of albums that she did and she now hates the people who own those masters so to make so diminishing so to (laughs) well so to like screw them over but also to like have a control over all of this stuff herself and not have to you know give money to them she has decided to re-record all of her songs of off of those albums so she's slowly piecing these out she released fearless Taylor's version. Now she's releasing Red, Taylor's version, or just released it. Um, so she's going back, re-recording all of her old stuff, and then in a you know move to make these re-recordings relevant and to get more people interested, she's also releasing like new bonus content, new songs that she had originally written for that album but never recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, she's making new music videos. She's doing press. She's you know sort of trying to hype up these releases in any way that she can. So there's lots of I mean trying and stuff going on. You know. Oh, oh, well definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean this is a thing that a few different artists have tried. Prince famously um lost his masters, tried to re-record. Like it's happened a couple times. Not always successful just because you run into the problem of people being like I think especially with older artists who didn't have the hype machine that is social media and the internet today, it's hard to motivate people to buy or care about um, songs that already exist in the universe. <laughs> um, and well, so Taylor, yeah. Well, also like, um, yeah, this is sort of a perfect storm for Taylor Swift because even the Fearless re-release, which happened earlier this year, like did not get as much attention. I mean, it did well, yeah. but it was not as buzzy i think it's hard to get a bunch of people to go necessarily re-download songs that they've already listened to a ton except i think in this case the album is new enough that everybody or that most people who are on spotify like know it it's not something that they haven't listened to before it's something that they're well acquainted with but it's not something that they're listening to regularly necessarily. So yeah. So when there's all of this hype on Twitter, like, oh, go listen to this album that you really liked five years ago. I think people are, are like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then because she is a 
marketing genius. She also has all of these kind of like plugs and things that make it newsworthy. So everybody knows that it's coming out and it's like, oh yeah, I'll go give that a listen. I remember loving that in middle school Mm -hmm. or high school or whenever it is, where if you're Prince and you're releasing something from like 40 years ago, like the audience today isn't like half of that audience is dead now. And Mm -hmm. it's a whole new audience that wasn't alive originally. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting comparing the two re-releases because Fearless, it was a little more muted. Um, she did a couple singles. She shared the idea of the vault tracks, but otherwise she wasn't like promoting it in a traditional sense. Whereas with Red, she really did put her her power behind it. Like she went hard. It's been, we've been alerted to it for like four or five months, I swear. She announced it very early. And then in the last two weeks, she was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to do Seth Meyers. I'm going to do Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to do SNL. I'm doing interviews. I'm doing promos. I'm going to be everywhere all week long. I'm doing a short film. I'm doing the surprise music video. Like she clearly cares about this. And I think it's important to highlight why. And that's because Red has always been sort of her career defining uh, album like yes fearless won the grammy and it kind of allowed her to be seen as the as the relevant country star who was able to capture pop music's heart as well but i think red is where she was her biggest um it's turned out to be one of her more well-respected albums it has some of her more recognized tracks such as all too well um and it also is an emotional point in taylor swift's life where this was where she felt like her star had sort of diminished. Like she lost the Grammy to random access to memories. And that motivated her to go to, to feel like people weren't respecting her vision anymore. So she needed to pick a lane. And so she went full pop. She got 1989, blah, 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 blah. That all happened. And so I think this was kind of a chance for her to not only earn back her masters, but to relive that, that era and kind of like set set it right, kind of explain it a little bit more, add a little more context for what she was trying to accomplish with such a mm, diverse <laughs> album of messy, loud uh, tracks, pop mixing with country, sad songs mix- mixing with uh, dance songs. And I think it worked really well. And that's why people embrace this re-recording because it was, like you said, fun to revisit something that we've, you know, people have across the board have been aware of. And also to kind of see the strength and the heart she put into this album originally. And of course, that's all tied up in the the drama of the of the who's and the what's and the wins of it all. <laughs> the I am intrigued though with like the order that she's releasing yes. these because I feel like the crown, like it's the first six albums that she has. Mm -hmm. And I think the sort of crown jewels of those would be Red and 1989 and Fearless. Like I think those three are much more sort of like popular and highly anticipated and nostalgic than her, what, than her first two albums or Reputation. Do you speak now in rep? Yeah. So I'm, it's interesting that she releases like two of the better ones first because now it's like, is she going to go release like whatever the ones that she releases next, I feel like won't have as much hype unless it's 1989. But if she releases 1989 next, then it's like, she has sort of the three duds at the end. <laughs> so I'm like, how, like how do we have any idea I feel on like, what order these are happening? I feel like 
fearless was a good predictor of kind of how most of them will go, which is she's going to be excited about it, probably do a couple either a single or a music video, but I wouldn't be surprised if she does kind of rapid release the rest of them. Um, because like you said, those fearless proved the concept and red just, I don't know, was her crowning achievement of these re-recordings. So I don't think she'd ever attempt to do the same for something like reputation that came out two years ago and she sounds the same and everyone knows the stories and like whatever. And so, yeah, I kind of feel like, there's a lot of theories that she's just going to suddenly surprise release like Speak Now and 1989 at the same time, or she's going to try and do them all before the end of the year, like as a Christmas surprise. Um, I don't know exactly what she'll do, but I don't think she's going to try and mimic the success of Red. Like I think she went so hard on it because she knew this was her one album to do it. I feel like 1989, though, is arguably more popular. Yeah, but it's like, but the songs will all be the same, right? Like you didn't listen to the, you didn't listen to Red all the way through, but the avid fans do because they want to hear the differences and the, her voice is a lot stronger. Her vocals are a lot better. Her production's a lot cleaner. And so it's like fun to revisit. Whereas 1989, like what, what's going to motivate the average Joe to turn on Shake It Off rather than Shake It Off Taylor's version rather than Shake It Off the original? Well, I did listen to the full, re, uh, the, the full of Taylor's version. I listened to the whole thing. I was not like uh, necessarily like, taking meticulous notes, but right, I did right. listen to it. And Whoa. I also like went back and listened to some of the original like brief snippets just to be like, okay, is this the same? Is this different? Like, oh no, I think wow. this is pretty similar. But oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry doing for doubting my you. homework. My my gosh. Well, you but, texted me and said, I just have to listen to the <laughs> the vault songs, right? I don't have to listen to all of well, them. I was like. <laughs> Here's the thing. With Red, I don't know this album super mm. well. So I was like, I don't want to have to do like a full ranking and be able to tell oh, you the yeah, difference yeah, yeah. between Holy Ground and Stay, Stay, Stay. <laughs> and I almost do because I could not pick those songs out of a lineup. Yeah. But I did listen to them all and sort of be like, okay, this is like okay. the vibe of it. Um, and obviously the bigger songs that I knew, I could, you know, hear more of a difference right, in because right. I've heard the originals more. Um, but I think that... With this, like, obviously, the fact that she's re-recording these old songs, like, great, perfect, wonderful, whatever. But I think that most of the buzz around this has been with the new stuff. It's with the Mm -hmm. new recording of All Too Well. It's with the other music video. So I don't, I feel like, yes, if she re-records 1989, like, are people going to be super excited to listen to style again in a new recording like maybe not but I think that you know she's smart enough and I'm sure has enough you know like sort of tricks up her sleeve that she can re-release some real juicy song about Harry Styles or whoever (laughs) that will get people excited again because I think that's the thing the thing that was most that I saw the most um, attention about this was the all too well music video the new version of the song and like all of the people being like ah oh, jake gyllenhaal jake maggie <laughs> gyllenhaal and the, the scarfs in her house the keychain yeah. the whatever and i think she could easily do that with some other people because yeah. i also bet that when she was writing songs 
especially on some of these earlier albums, her producers were like, we can't release this. This is like way too sort of damning to whoever this John Mayer. Or mean, <laughs> yeah, towards these guys. And so now if she releases those, like the relationship is over and you know that people are going to eat it up that yeah. all of these details about these guys that broke up with her. Wow, I appreciate that optimism. You know what? I hope she does do full rollouts. I, Yeah, I, I feel like the other thing that makes me think that it'll happen faster than it has happened is that Taylor seems to be interested in being in the public eye again, and she seems to miss music and performing. So maybe she is gearing up for some sort of tour instead. And so maybe she does want to get these out of the way a little quicker so she can focus on like live music and live performing and hopefully doing something there. Um, But that would take years to plan. Do we have any idea on how much time it takes sort of to make these? No, I mean, that's what's confusing is because it seems like it'd be easy, but then like notably absent on some of these productions is Max Martin. Like they're still credited as writers, but, and like Shellback did some of the producing, but Max Martin wasn't. And there's rumors that 1989 was done and was ready for a summer release, except there was some sort of production issue, which could be like lining up the same producers, lining up the same, um, you know, uh, musical guests and stuff. And so maybe it's more complicated on the like project management side. Are you thinking, are you saying from like a legal person, like Max Martin, like wants more money or something? Or, yeah. Or like or maybe the- he was busy or like COVID kept him from being able to, I don't know. Like it's like hard to say. Cause in my knowledge of the music image, industry which is somewhat limited i think that the way they i mean like when you're making a song the first time like yes the song is written but then you go in the studio and you sing a bunch of different versions you're trying different things like oh add this instrument add this and you're really like sort of building it playing uh playing by ear where with this they already have the rubric it's like they know which instruments are there they know which beats like they just have to have, okay, so we need someone to come in and play this guitar section. Yeah. It's not like someone has to come in and figure out what the guitar section is going to be because it hasn't been written yet. Yeah. No, I know. I I think maybe what is slowing down, like obviously they can do the old stuff, but what's interesting about like something like All Too Well, the 10-minute version from the vaults is like – she clearly needed that. She clearly wanted that to be an actual like beautiful song and, and put a lot of time and attention into it. Like were the lyrics original from nine years ago, like maybe some of them, uh, maybe, but she also oh. needed to figure out the production and how to fit it all in. And, um, and so, so I feel like that could take some time. So you're thinking that maybe like she goes in one day and records all of the, or, you know, like it's, it takes her a week to record her, her vocals right. on the, old songs but then it's these you know new tracks that are taking up more of the time I could see that yeah I mean because especially like in fearless you we had some demo tracks of like the original production and it's very different and much more you know less cheesy and kind of less dated and so maybe that does take time but I also feel like to your point it shouldn't take this long but she also with this album especially had like six different merch rollouts she's selling vinyls she's selling 
CDs, cassettes, like all of it. So all of that takes time to like prep and create. So I don't know, maybe the, maybe it all comes down to the, um, <laughs> the delays in the supply chain. It's like, <laughs> she's well, like, you have to wait three months. We don't have paper for these folds. Well, and I'm sure also if she's doing SNL and she's doing all of these other shows, like those have to be booked however yeah. far in advance as well. So that takes time where if, she is going to just release speak now straight on to Spotify without too much ado. Maybe that's quicker and she doesn't need all of the hype. Yeah. But I mean, she might be tempted to try again because this has been a huge success. Like this, um, this was streaming like 90 million on the first day. Um, the re-recorded version was streamed over 90 million times in the first 24 hours. Um, it's every single song on the 31 track list <laughs> album was like in iTunes top 100. Like, so it's not only the new stuff people are listening to, it was the old stuff. Like everyone was very into this album. Everyone was very engaged in it. Everyone was listening to it. I think it helps that she is on TikTok because TikTok is full of people <laughs> who are just eating up this new, it's like, it's very interesting reliving this you know, quote unquote era again, because in 2012, people were digging through the song lyrics being like, oh, who's this about? What is this about? Why is she saying this line in here? And I feel like she's getting that again with a new crowd of people, whether it's, yeah, yeah, whether it's younger or whether it's people who didn't take her seriously for whatever reason when it was coming out. And so now TikTok is fueling a bunch of people doing, you know, like sounds, sound bites of these different songs and all this sort of stuff is happening all over again as people are like oh who's this about what's happening here like it's pretty (laughs) pretty messy of taylor i guess but it's also like it's highlighting i think her her success route which has always been these deeply personal and thus really relatable feelings and ideas that happen to be wrapped up in a very high profile bow you know like it's like it's fun to see the jake gyllenhaal memes but it's also nice to see people like weeping in their cars or pretending to like take sad showers because of how depressed this album made them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it, it brings <laughs> back up all of sort of my issues of, of with Taylor Swift where I, I think that she's very good at simult. I think that the key to her success, which I've talked about on the show before is somehow being able to write songs that are both very specific to her and full of like these Easter eggs so that Mm -hmm. people are digging through them, but also are somehow vague enough that they can apply to almost anybody's life and situation. So you can listen to these things and like feel them so deeply, but then at the same time you could listen to them and be like, okay, this is very specifically about Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner and this date. And here we have a picture (laughs) and this is the outfit that they're wearing. So you can, you can do both. It's also though frustrating because I feel like Taylor always wants to have her cake and eat it too, where (laughs) she's always, where she's like, I don't understand why people are so interested in my life. They won't leave me alone. Like I'm trying to, I'm, I'm I'm not trying to say anything about these like guys, like who's this song about? I'm not going to tell you. But then at the same time, she's releasing all of these, like, you know, very kind of damning, uh, details about these relationships that she's in. And I'm like, okay, Taylor, like, (laughs) We gotta. We sort of have to pick a lane here at some point because I think she's the, gotten better at it, right? Like she's well, not as coy. 
She's more like, like yeah. in the interviews today, people are like, oh, is this about Jake? Oh, does the age different relevant? And she'll pivot to be like, well, I'm just excited to do this re-recording. I'm excited to, you know, yeah, claim yes. this story back, relive this moment that was so traumatic for me. But now I get to have a good time on this release. You know, but I but I feel like some of the of the la of the evermore folklore mm. narrative was like I'm mature now. I'm writing songs about, um, you know, that aren't specific about specific people. I'm sort of like moving on from that. I don't want my personal life like dredged through, and. With this, like, yes, these are songs that were supposedly written a long time ago and she's just re-releasing them, but it does feel like she's also realized, oh, remember what made me so successful in the first place? <laughs> it is this drama. People love this drama. This, like, <sighs> if, if I want clicks, we got to have some drama involved. I and think if Taylor, I think that's true. Taylor became popular because she wrote good songs. When she wrote her debut track, she was not dating anyone famous. Most yes. of Fearless, she was not dating anyone famous. So she's, I think she still would have been like popular without like the hidden messages or whatever. Like I think even if she'd pulled back some of the details, she still would have been a star. So that is just like, first of all, she has a lot of talent and she's been able to like have fun with that. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, I can see, especially with how you see people get excited about like piling on Jake Gyllenhaal, for instance, like in the moment, like in 2012, it, it was more, the hate was aimed at Taylor Swift. Like that was the, that was the peak like wow taylor like okay let's move on like all you do is you're a serial dater like care for boys she'll write a song about you maybe you're the problem like so all of the criticism was aimed at taylor and so i'm kind of like okay with this <laughs> this turn of events where it's suddenly like oh wow like jake gyllenhaal was a dick like that's pretty bad and so i think it's interesting having the times to compare it because it is kind of like we're just a different culture, a different society now. And she does offer a little bit more detail, especially with the all too well 10 minute version. And so there's kind of this, this like writing of the universe where <laughs> um, it's allowing her to highlight how she's grown while also giving her a little vindication, you know, just a sprinkle of <laughs> flavor. She, uh, she, I don't disagree that she would have like always been famous that she that she does have you know a knack for talent and also a knack for marketing herself yeah. uh, you know I, which I think even before any of the drama with other celebrities she still had that yeah. ability to you know become famous and she had a lot of charm and charisma I think that there's a sort of ceiling that you can get to with celebrity if you're not somehow involved in the drama you know like there's yeah. lots of artists who are very popular but are i think it's hard to do that and be like such an all-encompassing presence without some drama and i think the fact that she has somehow managed to find herself in and out of like the news cycle <laughs> almost constantly for like 10 years really cements her as a not only a musician but also as like a figure who everyone knows yeah. she's probably like one of the top 10 most famous people in the world yeah and you don't get to that point by like just releasing some good songs unfortunately yeah no i mean it's definitely she's had a messy a, a splattering of a messes she stepped into um but i have enjoyed sort of the reckoning especially among critics of the original album um people talked a lot about the 
lack of sonic cohesion where you had pop, you had country. Um, people were confused about what she was attempting, why the songs were so all over the place, even in their lineup where you go from all too well to 22. And I think what's compelling about this re-recording is this added context that allows us to get a little bit more insight into the bigger picture. And having her strengthened vocals too, I feel like made all the songs sound a little bit better together. Like, cause I think what, you know, Taylor has always had sort of a, in the red era, she had sort of a strained voice, especially as she started to do pop where she had to be kind of her, she had to be more chatty than singing in her, (laughs) in like, I knew you were trouble and we are never getting back together. It's very like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's very talky. Whereas now she has a little bit more control in her voice and this richness and depth. And so everything sounds a lot better together. And I think I agree with a lot of the critics where they say that this is actually a stronger album overall. And I didn't necessarily feel that way or care with Fearless, but I think with Red, it was really stunning to like listen to the whole thing and kind of capture the capture the essence of it um, that she wasn't able to achieve with the original. Yeah, it is. Uh, you can definitely tell the difference in her voice. Like, I guess if we want to st- talk about the original group of songs that were on the original Red and now this new version, they... She definitely is, uh, like, bringing more vocally to the table. I I mean, this album, for whatever reason, I don't know, uh, what, what year did it come out originally? 2012. So I, it would have been in the middle of while I was at college, and I, I don't know why I never really, like, listened to it, other than the fact that I wasn't a huge fan <laughs> of Tim's. Well, I guess also this, the... I think with 1989, there was that whole phenomenon of like, this song's by Taylor Swift. I like this song. (laughs) And I think that had sort of like started in Red, where you had like 22 and We Are Never Getting Back Together, which were big hits. But I think the album as a whole had a lot of country or some country songs, some slower ballad type things, which were like not my vibe. So if I had ever gone and tried to listen to this, I'd have been like, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. and listening to it now, I was like, okay, there are some songs on here I like that are mostly the songs I already know. The songs that I didn't know, I was like, nah, okay, I'm probably not going to – like, I didn't save any of them on Spotify to listen to mm. later. I was like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> um, you know, Happy for that woman. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, bravo, but these are not my, like, necessarily cup of tea. Yeah. I've, I've always loved Red. It, most of my favorites have – or Holy Ground, State of Grace, like all too well. Um, But yeah, it's kind of one of those albums that's hard to just throw on because you'll be bouncing along to I Knew You Were Trouble and then suddenly Treacherous comes on and you're like, okay, we're going low, we're going down, we're going sad. Um, But I think this this re-recording was a lot more palatable and fun for me. And as someone who's obsessed with the songs on it, it was fun to, to pick up on the differences and kind of appreciate some i appreciate most and then <laughs> questions a question a few a few choices um were there any standouts for you on the original tracks now that i know you listen to them all um well n- i mean not particularly i mean i liked yeah. like i like 22 i like 
we are, we are never getting back together. So when those, ca- I like read. So when those came on, I was like, oh yes, like this is a song that I enjoy. Um, that somehow seems like a little bit more full bodied. Mm-hmm. Girl at Home, which is not a song I had heard previously. <laughs> yeah. Because this was, I guess, one of the bonus tracks. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was on the bonus, the deluxe album. It came on and I was like, oh, like this is a fun, like <laughs> dancey sort of vibe. I was like, is was this? I was like, no. this was on the original because this sounds much <laughs> newer. And then yeah. I went back and listened. And I was like, oh, this is a like a complete rewrite. Yes. I was like I like the new version better. Yeah, but I was, was like this is, this is not necessarily a re-recording. <laughs> it's just like I know. It's funny cuz her whole like every every interview it's like I wanted to make sure I re-recorded these as close to the original as possible because that's like the point. Do you think and she then just hated that song? Like why did she I think everyone hated that song. Like that's been a song that's been mocked in her in her um I guess uh, discography forever like that's been a running joke among fans even is that it's just a skip constantly trash like no one likes it I've never been personally offended by it like I've I've enjoyed it like it's not one that Wait, if it why comes don't on, they like it necessarily I think they think it's cheesy did you listen to the original yes I did beginning? yeah and so they found it kind of cheesy they didn't understand I don't know because I I, it's like it is cheesy but she didn't change the lyrics she just changed the production it's produced by elvira who did like her a couple remixes with her folklore and evermore well also i like it's cheesy but it wasn't it it didn't stand out to me as like oh wow this is right. way worse than <laughs> like like there's there's a couple of songs on 1989 that I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and like I, how I, I can't the remember girl. them off the top of my head, yeah. but that I'm like, Ugh. and I feel like this was definitely like, you know, in that same category, but not yeah. horrific. Yeah. It I, wasn't as bad as whatever that have... war one was off of folklore or evermore <laughs> or whatever it was. Well, what's funny is another hated one is stay, 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 which is also on this one, but she did not change that one. So yeah, she must have just not been proud of it or kind of But this I don't know. A, this was a song that was originally on like the bonus extended yeah, yeah. version, right? Yeah. So maybe she felt m- more fine changing that because yeah. it wasn't like on the canon list or whatever. Right. And it could have been that like her original team was like, you need another country track, like make it country, not pop. And she was like, well fine. And so now she got to make it more pop. I don't know, but it's pretty funny that she never acknowledged the change she did there. When it came on, I was like, what is this? Like, what's happening here? Because it's very different. And she's never, she hasn't done that. Somebody, yeah, like, and and no one in an interview is asking her about this song. (laughs) No one. I mean, it's a pretty, like, I don't it know is how many people on the are list listening of things to it. To, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently a lot of it's on the iTunes top whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was the one that stood out to me. I also feel like the the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together one isn't as good. But I think that's only because I have I was obsessed with the original. And I feel like the We is different. <laughs> but did you notice that or is that just me? It felt much more like kids pop I didn't, choir-y. I didn't pick up on that but again yeah. I can't tell you the last time <laughs> I listened to that song so well it's a great karaoke hit so if you're ever in a karaoke bar it's a good one okay mm-hmm. um <laughs> but yeah I, I don't think that Taylor I feel like I've sang Taylor Swift at karaoke things and like her range or whatever yes. is like not is not mine or, yeah like I it's feel a like hard I, one I'm like I don't like this is 
I can't hit these notes for whatever reason. It's not because like she has a particular, it's not like she's Mariah Carey or something. It's It's just like, she must be like a, like a certain number of like half steps above me or something (laughs) that I'm like, like, I feel it's like, it's one of those things where I can do like half the song, like low and half the song high, but I have to like switch. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. The honestly, you'll be surprised, but I can only sing. We are never, ever getting back together because most of it's like, chatty you're like i remember when and it's just like hitting that beat yeah and then the you just time. sing a yeah i can do that mm-hmm, that's true so it's a it's a crowd pleaser um but it is easier than her other yeah i don't know what it is like her registry or whatever um but it's just not there's some people who like like Adele, who is a much better singer and who mm-hmm. I shouldn't be able – I mean, who I definitely can't sing as well as she does or even close. But it's like right. when I'm singing along with Adele, I can sing the entire thing without like uh, having to switch. Right. Yeah, it's passable. Like I start you're, low you're, and you're then when I it. get – and then <laughs> and then when she gets high, like I still have room to go higher. Yeah. Where with Taylor Swift, it's like I either have to sing – like some part is out of tune. Like it's either yeah. like she's higher and I'm like way lower because I can't like, you know, I, yeah. I'm not explaining it well, but yes. <laughs> I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'm just not musically inclined to be able to explain yeah. it better. Um, But should we talk about these, the bonus tracks, the yes, new tracks? Let's talk about the new stuff. Okay. I wanted to try and guess your favorite. Oh, of the new ones. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me think about this for a second. And which is the, which is my favorite. Um, okay. Okay. I've got okay. it. Okay. I think oh, – now I'm second guessing it. I think your favorite is Nothing New with Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. And I think your least favorite is probably mm, – I don't know. I guess I want to say the 10-minute version <laughs> of All Too Well. It is long. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, your I feel like your favorite is obviously the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Okay, yeah. And then – Hmm, which one of these would be your least favorite? Um, what I'm gonna say the Ed Sheeran one is your mm. least favorite. Okay, Run. yeah, yeah. Okay, because we have so we have uh from the vault one two three four five six seven eight nine. So is it's quite a handful. Acoustic version of State of Grace is that that was on the original deluxe. Okay, okay. So she just re-recorded that. Yeah. Okay. So Ronan is the first new song. Uh, well, well not, Ronan was released yes. as a single, and so we've always had like an like an original version of it. But she decided to put it on this album officially. Are there other songs like that that you think are going to get added to other albums? No, because Ronan was really a one-off. She did it for Stand Up to Cancer. It's about a a young mom who wrote a blog post about losing her son, her four-year-old okay. to cancer, and so she just wrote that inspired by the post, and then and then did it for stand up to cancer and all the proceeds went to cancer research, but she hasn't like ever done anything like that. Like the one thing I can see is if she gets permission to put like, this is what you came for on 1989, which was originally recorded by Rihanna and like was a Calvin Harris track she wrote. Or like, what about the, um, uh, like what about the 50 shades of gray song? Like, do you like, oh, do I guess. Those, are those under her, like who owns the masters right, to those? Probably not her. Like somebody else who's not. Yeah, I guess I don't Scooter know. Braun. 
I should do the research. And then what on about that. that cursed Christmas album? You think she's gonna redo that? <laughs> Her like 2008 Christmas album? Yeah. Um, Where, no, with the sign I don't think like, so. I Jesus. Like yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I'd love to hear her sing that again with all the sincerity in her heart, but I don't think so. I don't think she cares about those masters as much. Who's really asking to use that song in a movie, you know? Well, I love how that's just like completely disregarded as an album. Like, like it's not counted <laughs> in her. That yeah, you know, it's like it's barely an pretending. album. It's three original songs and then like four covers. Yeah, but I feel like most, like, lots of people have Christmas albums that are, like, yeah. like or pop stars that are sort of lauded. And I feel like she's, like, don't play this at all. You know, they're, like, the, the radio station's, like, the radio station's, like, hey, can we play some of this Taylor Swift? No she's one's like, asking to. <laughs> Those that's sweet of you to think No, so. that's, that's not true because during Christmas time, they will literally play anything on the, like they have to fill hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah, yeah. Of, of things. They played the Taylor Swift <laughs> Jesus Christmas song at H&M while I worked there because that's how I first heard it. I was listening wow. to it and I was like, I was like, this is very Christian yeah. for them to be playing in an H&M. And then I was like, like this sounds <laughs> like Taylor Swift, but it can't be because I, she doesn't have a Christmas album. And then I went yeah. and looked and I was like, oh no, this was. She's oh, just yeah. hiding it. Yeah. No, it was very early. I think it came out like just a few months after her debut and was just meant to drum up so more you, Taylor interest. So you don't think that she's going to do a surprise release of this <laughs> album? I would be so... I would be so shocked. She could do a re-recording, then release a couple other random Christmas songs. Yeah. She could. She has that other one. You should slide in her DMs, give her an idea, um, make a TikTok about it. She's been liking those. I will be the first person who has asked for this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, she, the other two familiar ones are Better Man, which she originally sold to um, Little big town little big town little big town which is a country group and that came out in 2016 and so they sang it but she wrote it and so we knew what it was but we got her vocals on it and then babe similarly was sold to sugarland and they put out and she did backup vocals on that song and was in their music video and so that's that's also been a known entity but she changed the production a little bit to be more pop less country um did those stand out to you as I liked Babe. I thought it was yeah. fun. Better Man yeah. was sort of whatever to me, but I liked Babe. Yeah, it was it was nice to have those. I think they're they're good songs and it's fun that she got to put them on the album now. This does feel a little um um uh like how we've talked about Marvel and how they're sort of go back <laughs> and the and the mistakes are like we're gonna change this so that it's not a mistake, it's actually really yeah, good. Yeah. It's, she's like, Okay, this song nobody likes, we're gonna redo that. Okay, I'm gonna take this other song that I gave Just to somebody else that edits. I wish I had yeah. in. So I'm gonna take that one back. Like <laughs> Yeah, we love it for her. But um then the the remaining ones were all pretty new. Uh so what was your what was your favorite? My favorite was Message in a Bottle. Oh, okay. See, I was wondering if you'd find it too cheesy, but that was my second guess for you. I love a sort of like poppy dance song. Yeah. And I feel like in the Evermore Folklore albums, mm. the songs that I liked most were maybe a little sl- on the slower side. Yes. But because everything was Burned sort of off. on the slower side. And I didn't really like, the, I don't, I'm not like, I don't love an upbeat sort of banjo moment, which she's yeah. going for <laughs> a little bit in there. But typically I like the more upbeat stuff. And so yeah. I thought this song was fun. It's, 
again, one of those songs that really could be about anything. I was like, yeah. I was like, I have a crush. This sort of sounds like it has. It's about a crush. Like, I'll listen to this and think about my crush. <laughs> yeah. Won't that be fun? It's very like Carly Rae Jepsen, Hilary yes. Duff esque. Mm-hmm. It's another Max Martin Shellback um, production, and so I can see like why it was cut and why she thought, oh, maybe I'll save this for my next album because it is kind of like interchangeable with anything going on in your life. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it's fun. It's kind of it's it's got an energy to it. Um, yeah. And then I liked, I mean, my favorite was All Too Well. But before we get into that, I I did like her other one that she just released as a music video, I Bet You Think About Me, which features Chris Stapleton. And it's very twangy, very country, but also very like snarky and sarcastic and has a lot of fun images in that. But were you a fan or was it too, too twang? <laughs> Um, no, I was, I liked the song fine. Um, yeah, I, I did, uh, I was like, I need a list, like a a full list of all of the song, the Taylor Swift songs that are like, um, that are like angry about an ex. (laughs) like i need like i need that i need to know like how many there are because there's i feel like there's a lot and i like they're yeah, sort I mean, of doing the same thing, but there's like, but there's nuance. <laughs> so yeah, I like. I thought the music video was fun. I must say though, the weird Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, Taylor Swift friendship <laughs> is one that confuses me. You just like swinging vibes confused, or just what do they have to talk about no. confused? Well, I guess just confused in that like. Taylor Swift seems like her friendships aren't always like, I don't, they seem to burn bright and burn quickly. Mm. And then they're sort of gone. Um, mm. I mean, not all of them, but. I mean, she's got a good track record for keeping friends. If you I really mean, think about it. She's still friends with Abigail, who she met in junior high. Well, Selena Gomez, who she met in 2009. Okay. Well, okay. Well, uh, Abigail is not going to not be friends with Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> well, let's I'm just saying say Taylor could have um, cut that cord a long time ago, yeah, but she didn't. I don't, yeah, but I don't think Taylor Swift is the one cutting cords on <laughs> these friendships. I mean, wasn't I it Lord who said it was you're, like an You're auto saying Taylor wishes she could keep friends long, but she doesn't have, she's I'm missing that, that she, skill. She seems like she's a little a bit of a prickly personality <laughs> who might also be kind of busy a lot. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't, <laughs> Yeah, it's just I'm I'm sort of like how like where like, uh, like which one of the two of them is she is like the primary Blake friend Lively. or that she's closest to, and then like Blake Lively seems sort of like an odd Duck, person yeah. <laughs> and kind of like a not the same vibe as Taylor, who seems like very like you know regimented about. Oh, things. interesting, because I think Taylor's an odd duck too. I think Taylor well, has a I weird think, sense of humor. I think. I think Agreed, but I think in very different ways. Mm. Like Blake Lively seems a little like sort of dumb hippie <laughs> kind of vibe, you know, like like a little spacey. And well, Taylor's insecure about how she doesn't read books and doesn't like indie music, and everyone makes fun of her for not getting along with her boyfriend's oh, well, yes, elitist I, friends. Yeah, <laughs> I would also, I would also, I will be coming back to that point. I have another <laughs> note, um, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there and the fact that she's like, okay, he like he's gonna be in 
that he was in the gay rights music video and now she's directing this mm-hmm. one and the, yeah. and the and the song lyrics are about the baby and the baby's yeah. on the other track it's like okay this is a this is a lot of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds yeah. and it's sort of like they were at SNL it, to support yeah, is her it, it's like is it is it too much is there are we <laughs> Like what is yeah. hap- like this? This is a, not a friendship level I see often in <laughs> pop culture or sort of music, and so it. I feel like I just have questions about. Yeah, it. no, um, I would love to see them like interact in private. You know, like what's the yes. dinner party like with them? Like, what do they talk about? Like, what what are they bonding over? Because I can see them getting along, but it's like, how are they to the point where they like? I don't know. Yeah, like like have their babies' names and the. Well, and I'm like, and stuff. is it a situation where like Blake is like obsessed with Taylor Swift and Taylor's <laughs> sort of like, okay. Or is it a situation where no. Taylor's obsessed with Blake? Like, or is, I don't know. I just have questions, but we're not going to uncover the answers to yeah, that yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I will say that this weekend we were watching, I was watching, I was hanging out with a couple of friends. We were watching the All Too Well music video mm-hmm. and then sort of like other music video. They were asking like what the details of this was. So I was explaining it to them. And then they were like, but, what, but, but didn't Taylor Swift have like a this or whatever? So we ended up watching a bunch of her older music videos mm-hmm. as I was explaining these various facets to her. And we rewatched... Um, What's the Girl Squad music video? Bad Blood. Uh, Bad Blood. And I was like, I forgot that half these people were in this. And I was like, this is... And there's that whole Carly Claus sequence. So then I was yes. explaining that to them. And I was like, that is oh, I'm so still proud of you, first of all. So I'm like, 100% Taylor Swift is a bisexual <laughs> and loved Carly Claus. And Carly Claus did not, uh, you know, start dating someone else. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Okay, anyways. <laughs> about this song. And the music yes, video. Yes. The music video, fine. Like, re- I would say replacement level. It wasn't doing anything that exciting, but I thought it was interesting. Wait, you're talking about I I Bet You Think About Me or All Too Well? Yes. Yes. Okay. I Bet You Think About Me. Yeah, yeah. We're still on that. Yeah. We get to the end of the song. I'm like listening to the song while I watch the music video today, though. And there's all of this stuff about like... Oh, when you have a million dollar car and are so rich <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah, sort of like, oh my gosh, my boy, like <laughs> you are so elitist and do all of these fancy things. And like, I'm just a girl from the country. Like, what do I know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is like, uh, this is hard for me to really feel bad for you when you have to be one of the richest people like in the world. Like, yes. Well, in celebrity culture. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, There's not like Jeff Bezos level, yet. but like, <laughs> But like of pop stars, yeah, she has yeah. to be like top tier. Yeah. And and compared to most people, she is top tier. Yes. So it's I'm like I get the vibe I, that it's like, like don't you also probably have a million dollar yeah. couch? I think it's more I mean, she wrote this in like she said she wrote it in twenty twelve, uh, on tour. And it was more I think it was more she wanted to capture a vibe while also identifying like real emotions about being with a pretentious dick. But I don't think she was like, I'm literally just a poor girl who grew up worrying about kitchen bills. You know, like I, I think she's well aware to the point that she's, she's known to fictionalize and, and exaggerate and dress up a story. She was playing into country tropes, which is a bunch of rich country stars singing about, about you know, dirty tires. Yeah. Yeah. 
I double wides. Like I understand that, but I and I think that some of her lines about like, oh, you know, they're into indie bands or whatever, like speaks to a level of pretension that is separate from a class issue. But I think like to bring money into it, which she explicitly (laughs) does. I was like, you might have written this at a time when you had less money, where you were younger, whatever. But since we're releasing it now, and you could go back and zhuzh up the lyrics, I was like, I think I would have suggested to her maybe we tweak a few (laughs) things here because this is a slight bit tone deaf but it's fun to sing about organic shoes and your million dollar couch well organic shoes is a different (laughs) like that's a different group of people you know just the millionaire the million dollar couch you're like and your and i think that one of a kind couch that's what you wanted the lyric to be i don't think it needed to be about a couch you know it's like (laughs) Yeah. I think that that then just puts the whole rest of the thing into per it, like it changes the way that I viewed like the whole mm. rest of that section of the song because then it's like oh this is about someone who's like t- thinks they're too good for you because you're not like rich enough or hip enough. Where well, can it be all of it? Well, but I think that what she's talking or you know what she should be t- talking about is someone who thinks they're better than you because they're not because of like things that they have necessarily because she has more things than anybody else does, but about (laughs) just because they're dickish. And I think she could have done that. She's talented. But isn't it, I mean, part of the aura around the Jake Gyllenhaal of it all is this idea that he, like the elitism is there, you know, I have, Oh, dating people with degree, like the pedigree and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I also have a lot of thoughts on Gyllenhaal, <laughs> which we can get into when we uh, get to All Too Well. Yeah. But I I think that she should have just changed that lyric, yeah. and it didn't read well. Okay. Um. Did you did you like Nothing New? Was I close? I thought it was fine. Okay. Um. I'm not a huge Phoebe Bridgers mm, person. Okay. See, so, I couldn't remember. Like it, it. Yeah, I thought this was good, but it didn't necessarily like jump off the. The page yeah. me. Really, the only one that I was excited. Well, I liked Babe and I liked Message in a Bottle, and those were the main ones that I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Like I might listen to this again. The rest of these I listened to maybe like two times just to um, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah, to remember. Like, I'm proud of well, you. <laughs> well, I listened to the whole thing through, and then I was today. I was like, okay, I need to make some notes because I don't remember any of these songs. <laughs> so then I listened to like Forever Winter. Yeah, I was gonna get that dragon. That. Um, yeah, I I did not enjoy Run that much. I feel like it was that fine. was bad. It was not a good song. Yeah, it's just I, it was kind of like, like pointless. Like I didn't get yeah, it. It wasn't yes. really it's like moving. we can see why this was left on the <laughs> yeah. Floor. And very first night is cute. Um. I liked Forever Winter. Okay. Oh yeah, that was really sad. And supposedly about her, in around this era, she had this moment where she confessed that her friend from high school had just died from an overdose. And so a lot of people think it's about that, or maybe it, it's like it's a sad song, and it surprised me. And I think there's that speaks to why it was maybe left off the album originally because it was so raw and kind of personal, and probably not worth investigating who it's about. And so I think it was wise of her to not put it on the original, but it is a really sad song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get to the the piece de resistance, which is the the mythic 10-minute <sighs> version of All Too Well. <laughs> yes. So I was trying to remember 
All Too Well came out on the original album. At some point in the intervening years, she said that there was a 10 minute version or it was originally yeah. 10 minutes or something. And then the, and then people have been like begging for it ever since. But in what context did she initially say that there was a 10 minute version? Well, a few different windows, but most notably right in her on GMA, she's announcing red. She says, I'm really excited about the song all too well. This was one that I wrote. It was originally like 10, 15 minutes and you know, I couldn't have that on the album. So I had to trim it down. So right off the bat, she admits that it started out long. And um, and then Liz Rose, her sort of co-writer at the time, her editor, if you will, um, she told a story about how, yeah, Taylor Swift had been riffing with her band, jamming during rehearsals, and she came up with this really beautiful song. And she came to me and she had pages and pages of lyrics and we had to trim it down because she couldn't have a 10 minute song. So it's always like been there and been acknowledged. But I think the fans were like, you know, where's the 10 minute version? Where is this? As if it was a tangible physical thing that was just on a hard drive somewhere. And so through the years, she's kind of made jokes about that, like on an Instagram live on someone was doing when she used to pop on those. She was like, I don't know, it's in a drawer somewhere. And so then that added to it. And so it's definitely been a part of the fandom for the entire like nine year window. Um, did people think it actually existed? I think maybe some Swifties like diehards thought it was real, but I was of the mind that it was kind of more rough drafts, right? Like it was just pages of notes, but it wasn't a fully fledged song that she had to, you know, that she hadn't recorded this yeah, already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also in the Lover um, release cycle, she like released some of her diary entries and some of the original lyrics, the quote unquote original lyrics for All Too Well were in that. But <laughs> notably, but those are not none of those this. are in this. <laughs> so yeah, I think I went into this thinking, you know, it's, I hope it's not the nine-year-old song that she left on the cutting room floor. Like, I hope she put some heart into it because there's so much writing on it, right? Like, everyone's like, the hype is real. And so it was clear right off the bat that she really made this, um, tried to make it, like, flow and work as a 10-minute song, feeding the fans, but also being a good a good song, you know, that she could conceivably sing in a concert or on SNL or whatever it is. And so there was work put into it and I don't fault her for that, but it is funny that people are trying to, she included is trying to pass it off as like, Oh, this is the original. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. Did fuck the patriarchy exist at the time? I don't think so, but maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that again, as the marketing genius that she is, she was like, the fans want this 10 minute version they have been asking for it for forever so i'm going to make that the central piece of this new album Mm -hmm. um, release because that's something that is tied to the album that i can do but that's also brand new Mm -hmm. and you know this wasn't a single before so she can release a music video she can do the whole nine yard so i think that was very smart of her um yeah, I, I'm also sort of unclear on how much of this was original and how yeah. much wasn't. Because also, yeah, if it wasn't recorded already, then I'm sure that all she had were notes and things. Um, yeah. She had like, she you know, according to sources, she'd um, been 
jamming with her band and sung a bunch of this. So there, and I, I believe like a lot of the elements were there, like, because there's a whole added verse about her 21st birthday party. Um, I feel like that was naturally there because she instead, when that was cut, she decided to write the moment I knew, which gives pretty much the same story, but in more detail, like a full song. And so I can see that like, maybe all these pieces were present, but then she just went through and did a hard polish on all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that there was definitely some, some revamping, um, going on. I, (laughs) were you a believer? (laughs) Well, okay. So this song is about Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Or, or maybe we don't know, but you know, it's, 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 (laughs) it's about so much more, but yes. Yes. He's the original source. Yeah. How she was in this relationship with him for what, like three months, four months. Um, Yeah. It was brief. It was, yeah. I mean, yes, it was, it was a- according to we are never ever getting back together. There was an element of on again, off again, but it was centrally around the fall of 2011. Yes. And I, I, okay. I'm trying to like piece my thoughts together. You side with so, Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, okay. I do. <laughs> I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's a very good actor. Yeah. I think he's, he's seems like beautiful. a very lovely person by most accounts. Um, I don't know very much about his romantic life and mm-hmm. I don't, and he, I think it will, he def- yes. And he definitely has a girlfriend now, but he's not someone who he's never been married before. Mm-hmm. Um, and hasn't, I think he dated Kirsten Dunst at mm-hmm. one point, yeah. but hasn't, I don't know. I, I feel like in general, he's not somebody who is in the news a lot aside from that. He makes movies. Um, and doesn't shower. Yes. And doesn't shower now, <laughs> but I can, I think that their relationship was always going to be a disaster. Like whether or not he was sort of like using her or was into it or whatever. I think they had this crazy age difference. She mm-hmm. was what? 19, 20. She was 20 and he was 29. Yeah. So it, it, it's like, it just, they're at very sort of different places in their careers. It just feels like from the moment, from the jump that you had to know that this was going to be a, something that didn't, end well and it feels like from her descriptions of things that he was you know living a very kind of adult life that she was this enamored young teenager by this hot movie star (laughs) and that she fell really really hard for him in Mm -hmm. a way that he did not fall for her which I think makes sense given the age difference you know like Mm -hmm. the feelings you feel when you're 20 are very different than the feelings you feel when you're 29 towards somebody and that it wasn't going to work out. I think it makes total sense then that when it, when they break up, she feels like I could have loved you forever. And like, I, you know, like this could have been a perfect thing and I loved you so much and you felt nothing and we're a terrible person. Like, I think all of those feelings make total sense and you can see why she would feel them. This is like an earlier relationship for her and with an adult, someone who feels more, um, like mature, like I'm sure the relationship when it was happening felt very mature because, you know, he's older and he's more, you know, pretentious and, oh, he's taking in to her sister's house. And he, I, I can see how she felt very adult mm-hmm. and very like, we're going to be together forever. Like, let's pick out a China pattern when they were together and then how devastated she was. Mm-hmm. So I can see why then she writes this song. Like maybe she's the 
like he's the summer and she's the Tom of 500 days of summer. Like she's reading more into it, even though he maybe didn't give her any reason to. Wait, that, she, that she's the guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that, so all of that though, I can like, and I'm sure that he was also not great in the relationship mm-hmm. in communicating any of this with her, which he needed to because she was, you know, so much younger and obviously so much more infatuated right. in him than he was in her. So I can see how this was just a, I think it was just a disaster from the jump. Also, fast forward now, whatever, 10 years. <laughs> Taylor Swift is in a long-term relationship with another person. Yeah. I think, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal has another girlfriend. Like, everybody (laughs) involved with this situation can look back and say, clearly this was not meant to be. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe, you know, one of us didn't handle it as well as the other one did or whatever. But, like, was not good. Like, we're glad we've moved on. Um. And I can see also why Taylor Swift would come back to the song for the marketing purposes. Right. You know, like the fans are asking for this. I guess my fault is maybe less with Taylor Swift and more with the fans mm-hmm. as, you know, that happens. But I feel like the entire cycle of the past like weekend has just been like, oh my gosh, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. terrible person. Like, look at all of these horrible things he did in these extra verses. Right. Like, look at how bad he is in this music video. And then like the people were like, Fans were going after him on his Instagram. Yeah. The girlfriend had to like, Jake Gyllenhaal's current girlfriend had to like turn off comments and stuff on her yeah. Instagram. Like just all of this hullabaloo with the fans going after him. It's like Taylor Swift does not want to be with Jake Gyllenhaal anymore. Jake right. Gyllenhaal does not want to be with Taylor Swift. Like, but I, I sort of was like, S- S- Taylor, just like tell them to stop uh, like bothering mm-hmm. this poor man who has a movie that he's promoting and is like trying <laughs> to go about his normal everyday life. And yeah. now he has to field all these questions about Taylor Swift because she, you know, yeah. made this video. Like I, the whole situation I was. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a yeah. I was messy. just like, okay. Like, yes. Like Swifties get it together. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I agree. Like I, I love a good, a good meme. I love a good TikTok, but I don't understand people who feel motivated to then go harass a stranger. Um, yeah. it, it's a lot. And I think that is, you know, it's unfortunate that it has to come back to that. Like, obviously I recognize that, you know, Taylor wrote a song that's about Jake Gyllenhaal, but to your point, it's been a decade. And I think one could hope that it wouldn't be you know, relevant, you know, necessarily like it doesn't need to be the main story. Like, the listening to this, I loved, I loved Jake Gyllenhaal and Taylor Swift. I was such a huge fan. I was like, oh my gosh, she's living my dream. And when All Too Well happened, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. And I still held a candle for Jake Gyllenhaal. I think what's interesting about the 10 minute version compared to the original is that the original felt like a song that was like, oh, I, I like remember this. I'm so sad it ended like, cause I can't stop thinking about all these memories. Whereas the new one is like, hey, you can't gaslight me. You can't minimize me. Like, why are you trying to make me feel like what I felt wasn't real? Like, I remember it. And it's much more indignant and kind of... Yes. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's like a really interesting case study in in how the entire album of Red was meant to be, where she's like, look at all these feelings I had. Maybe they were all over the place, but isn't that like the... Isn't that what love is? Like, that's the theme of Red, the song, and it's the theme of Red, the album. And so that is what's so interesting about comparing the two to me. 
Well, also, like, yeah, you can have fun about, like, you know, imagining Jake Gyllenhaal as a boyfriend, but it is sad that that's become the story. Instead of, like, this triumphant re-recording, every news person, every story is like, oh, well, what did you tell Jake about this song? Like, did you give him a heads up? It's like, okay. (laughs) Like, it's like... This isn't the first news cycle of this. We already know this story. We already know they're not talking. We already know that they've both moved on. We already like know that they're not together. So it is weird that it's like the thing that everyone's latching on to, even though it also feels inevitable, right? Yeah. Well, and, and the new details, I think, that she has in the song are very like kind of damning. Yeah. So if supposedly they are the originals, then you would have to think like, okay, this is... Yeah. Like it's very it's very make it paints him in a very bad light. Yeah. Um, which is that true? I don't necessarily know, but and then the I think the music video, which basically just acts out the scenes from the songs, also mm-hmm. paints him in a pretty bad light. But I found the music video to be a perfect illustration of why these two should not should not <laughs> have been together, should never been together. It was like disturbing to watch, I found, because <laughs> I think of Sadie Sink yes. as the girl from Stranger Things. Like, yes, I looked up her age. She's 19 now, but she doesn't necessarily look like she's 19. There's all these scenes with her with, like, wine glasses and stuff. And I'm like, neither her nor Taylor would have been allowed to drink at this point. So this is an interesting, uh, yeah, you know, experiment in underage drinking. But also, <laughs> like, clearly this was a bad, like, this was a disaster from the jump. And yeah. And yeah, I'm like, the theme of this music video and song should be that everybody is better having moved on from it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's not the takeaway. I mean, yeah, I found it interesting because, like I said, a lot of the criticism around Taylor and this relationship was like, Ugh, well, careful, she's going to write a song about you. And I think she was right to be like, well, guys, did you ever consider like maybe he did kind of earn this sad song? Like, do you think maybe there was a power imbalance there that was um, kind of hard for me to process at the time? And I think that's worthy of discussion and kind of why I'm okay with her having a Jake Gyllenhaal lookalike in her music video and like, you know, maybe sharing a little bit more details about what broke them and, and kind of that pretense there and the performative feminism and the hi- hypocritical treatment of her, like whatever it is. Like I, I was welcoming her exploring that a little deeper because she was so misunderstood when the album first came out and it took years for people to start respecting her, like in general, like haters and fans and whatever, respecting her art a little bit more. And so I think there is something vindicating about watching this music video and being like, oh, okay, like I do see why this relationship, no matter how short lived, no matter how one sided it was, could damage a 20 year old who had a different vision for what it was. And I mean, yeah, she was super young. Like I think they met when she was either hosting or performing on SNL and she was just this like starry eyed, you know, country girl finally getting a chance to break in. Like this is a she'd been burned by like John Mayer. Sure. But that was barely a relationship. And suddenly her first big boyfriend is like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like that's, <laughs> that's crazy experience to live through. And I think it's, I think this song would have been just as powerful without his high, you know, star quality, but it definitely does feed the fire of curiosity and judgment because he is so private. And so we don't I get think- his say. 
I think it is more powerful if you sort of like disassociate him yeah. from it because then then it can be a song about like an actual relate like a actual sort of like long-term relationship mm. that has issues with it where this you're like how many like feasibly how many <laughs> times did Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal actually see each other it's like i i am a real person who has you know like who goes on dates with people <laughs> and you can be dating someone 3 months and see them you know five times like no they have nothing to do but drive upstate and hang out and you know. I, yes, but I'm still like this was a very short period of time. Yeah, and for as bad, like as much as okay, Jake Gyllenhaal like should have communicated things better. Also, I can see him being like, like not even realizing how sort of like serious it is. Well, until, then don't like, let her meet your family. Yes. <laughs> But, but you know, it's like, I can see this being something where it's like, he didn't even realize how serious it was until he realized how serious it was. And then he sort of like, was like, okay, never mind. I'm like, we can, like, this isn't what I was looking for. Like, goodbye. But at that point, she's already like too attached. One of the most powerful lines I enjoyed was in like one of the first added verses where she says, I was waiting for you to say, I love you. And I'm obviously ad-libbing this, but, and Mm -hmm. then you called me up three months after it was dead and was like, Oh, I've always loved you. Like, yeah, let's get back together. And it's like, I think that's the frustrating thing. Isn't that he was like, wait, I never cared about you. It's that he would flip and flop about what he was willing to say to her and like what he was able to communicate. And I think that is like the bigger picture frustration with a lot of these imbalanced relationships where it's like, we're just given scraps and we're meant to like, figure out how to navigate it and read this complicated like emotionally mature guy's mind when in reality he's just using and abusing and getting away with it because he can always say well I never told you this and that's a whole vibe that feels very relatable (laughs) yeah I just yes I can see that but I also I do think it is like does Jake Gyllenhaal deserve this ire now like no because we have no idea what he's like in these relationships is it funny that she said i'll get older but your lovers will stay my same age and his girlfriend currently is 25 years old yes that is admittedly funny that's that's just irony at its finest and i i think hopefully he can laugh a little bit at that (laughs) or she can i think i think that if it's like Yes, if that is like if that was the extent of it, then yeah, he'd be like, okay, like whatever, funny. But then you have this whole army of people who was like, yeah. you're a terror, like you shouldn't <laughs> be allowed to act, like you were an abusive boyfriend. Yeah, it's like, it's no, weird. I think that it was just a, a not great situation that was always going to be a not great situation, and not yeah. necessarily because either of them were particularly bad, but just because they were looking for things very differently. Yeah, um, like. Yeah, I don't know. I can imagine that dating, well, dating anyone as a 20-year-old is like... Yeah, like who, your first love. It's a lot. Yeah, who wants to date that person? Like, yeah. that person's <laughs> always going to be a little psychotic. And Taylor Swift, <laughs> like we said, seems a little strange. Like, I can see how that would have been a weird relationship to be in from his perspective. But then also I can see how, yeah, when you're dating a, like, movie star as a young 20-year-old, how that would also be a yeah real head trip. Yeah, so, like, I still feel like... John Mayer is the worst of her exes. Like, I still feel like 
and maybe that's my own Jake Gyllenhaal blind spot, but <laughs> I listen to this song. I feel bad. I'm disturbed, but I'd hope that he's grown. But John Mayer, his quaking in his boots because dear John and speak now is coming for him and he's got to be worried. <laughs> well, also like, I mean, with the Kelvin Harris situation, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they were in a very long relationship where if there were bad things there, you can't really blame it on like, oh, well, is this KKJ there? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh no, that was just sucky. Yeah. Um, we're, and also the fact that this was only three months, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, again, I would like to see the exact count of how many hours these two people sp- actually spent together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was her first major love. She sings like, oh, I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden. And she's like learned that what she was feeling at the time, even though she was feeling it so hard, was maybe a little misplaced. Yeah. But it's like in the moment, like how do you process that except through what she does, which is write about it and sing about it and go on tour Mm -hmm. about it and live in those feelings for so long that it's hard to let go of it. And, um, And so I think that's why there's still that like, intensity and that yeah those (laughs) those lyrics that jump out at you i don't blame her for writing the song initially or recording that i think that makes total sense i guess i the fans are crazy she knows the fans (laughs) are going to be crazy i think she knew that if she says some incendiary things it's going to get clicks it's going to get more attention the fans are going to love it so i i feel like she's not she's not like i don't think she's purposely doing anything but she's definitely not like steering away from things mm. you know She's yeah like, okay. but wouldn't it be weird for her to suddenly be like okay yes don't talk to like wouldn't it be weird for her to name drop jake gyllenhaal now after nine years of being coy like you know what i mean well, like what would she I, do <laughs> i don't think she she doesn't need to be like this song is about jake gyllenhaal and you shouldn't bother him she should just be like hey Look, mm, I see that right. all of you guys are bothering Jake Gyllenhaal. I have, I'm in a different relationship now. Mm. Like, no matter who this song is about, that doesn't matter. Like, Jake is happy. I'm happy. We don't need to be, uh, like, fans do better. Right. That's fair. Yeah. I I hope it calms down. I feel like the Swifties I'm aware 25 of. As long as Jake's 25-year-old girlfriend, she's going to have to write her whole her own song about the trauma she's yeah, dealing with. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. There's two sides to every story, and Jake has sh- chosen not to share his. Um, and so, yeah, it's unfortunate that there's some rabid fans out there that continue to do the most, and it's just, like, too much. But mm. I do I do really enjoy the song, and... Um, it's been weird going back to listen to the original and being like, well, wait, I actually like, there's some really stunning lines in the new ones, which I believe she's capable of writing nine years ago, but I also feel like maybe she uh, finessed a little bit more yes. this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I support that. I really do. Because I think this was, as she said over and over, whenever someone tries to be like, Oh, you're talking about Jake. She's like, I wrote this song for the fans, the fans I'm giving this song to the fans for the fans. Like, is it going to play on radios now? Is it doing surprisingly well on Spotify and iTunes? Yes. Will she probably play this version in concert? I think so. I think she's really proud of it and for good reason. I think reason. she has to. Can yeah. you imagine her saying, oh, I'm going to play All Too Well in concert and then playing <laughs> the short version? I feel like yeah. fans would be livid. I know. So it's exciting that there's this like, there's this moment, the, this like change in, in the course of the fandom's like love of a song because All Too Well has been the top song like respected among fans, among critics forever. And now she's managed to top it, um, at least in the fans' eyes. I haven't like read too many reviews about it, but 
And I think that's really interesting and compelling and, and proof that she's not even done creating her best work, right? Like she keeps outdoing herself. And I think that's what makes well, it so exciting. Well, she created this nine years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. This was entirely but, nine years ago. Uh, the production, you know, like all of that, it, it mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. added to it. And I think it's exciting to think of what she's going to do going forward and how she has like such a love for this art. And like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. It, I'm excited. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how she pulls off anything better than this because this is such a high for her. It's interesting because she has two re-releases of like very old albums mm-hmm. that I feel like are don't have that many like songs that people are clamoring for. Right. Then she also has the release of Reputation which is new and I feel like also did not was not the most well critically yeah. received. And I also I mean I guess we can go back to the whole Taylor Kanye sort of drama <laughs> that is that album. But I feel like even she yeah. is has to be tired of that and doesn't want to like dive back in with a whole new set of things on yeah. that front. So it feels like 1989 is like the one that will be the most exciting. But then after these re-releases, it's like what, like where does she, that's uncharted territory because she's just released these two weird folk albums. Yeah. Then she's gone back and done all of this old stuff. Like, does she, is she veer more know. back to the old stuff? Does she go in the folk direction? Does she do something completely different? Like some people think she'll do like a sort of a best of tour and that will allow like a sort of bringing together of all these elements and that will reset sort of the, era and the mindset to allow her to just kind of go back to doing because I think she does vibe most in that pop indie space so it'll probably be more lover-esque do we know anything that's happening with her mom because wasn't it the whole thing that she like wasn't going to go on tour she was just doing these like three festivals or whatever because her mom was really sick I don't I guess I don't remember if that was the reason that's a long time ago I mean, maybe that sounds familiar, um, but yeah, no updates, either good or bad, I guess. So um, nothing's been announced there, but I think she's talked a lot about wanting to tour again. So whether it is smaller things. Um, I mean, has there been mom sightings on all of these press things that she's been doing? No, but like Joe Allen hasn't been there either. Like she, she's been keeping a pretty low COVID profile. Um, I think okay. SNL was kind of the bigger moment when a bunch of friends came too, but and then she dance, slow danced with Miles Teller, who let's hope he's vaccinated. Also, Miles Teller is so creepy. The fact that, <laughs> that they were like, put him in the music video. Like, yes, no. like poor Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone good looking. My God. Well, I'm glad that you took the time to visit this album with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> You know, I uh, I do what I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, but next week we get to celebrate. Or no, is it in two weeks? When's your birthday episode? Yeah, yes, it's in two weeks. Oh, okay. I am, yeah. I'm seeing House of Gucci this Thursday. Okay. Um, in a early press screening. But. Well, if you yes, want to FaceTime my... me during it, then we can record. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> my birthday episode will be a Lady Gaga retrospective yes i watched i watched machete kills the first for the first time um in preparation so (laughs) 
I'm going to be very ready. And we'll be recording that after House of Gucci. So that'll be after Thanksgiving. So I think okay, next okay. week we either just have it off or we are doing some other movie. I can't remember what's coming yeah, out. Yeah, well, gotta fi- I got to find out. I guess we'll be doing Adele's album. <laughs> Trying to parse Adele, out what yes, these songs true. are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have to see. a baby or yeah. a lover or a pet cat. We're unsure. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it, we'll have to figure it out. If you guys have ideas, you can let us know what you're watching. Um, we're at PS You're Wrong on Instagram and Twitter. We have um, new episodes on our Patreon if you want to visit us there. And um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I'm going to go for a run. See you guys <laughs> okay. later. Bye. Bye.